Welcome back to the podcast. If you've just been following along with the podcast, uh, you've noticed that there's been a little bit of a break over the summer where we've just had one service and one podcast a month. And this will be our service for Sunday, August 13th. And we will be picking it back up week by Uh, weekly services and weekly podcasts starting in September uh, with our environmental series. But this Sunday, um, we're going to be having a conversation around Nadia Bowles-Weber's book, Shameless. And there is also a written summary of some of the main points of the book on our blog. So I invite you to head there if you haven't been able to read it or just want to brush up on some of her main points. Um, But I'm going to just expand that a little bit in preparation for our conversation tomorrow um, and share a couple more things, a couple more ideas, uh, but really kind of get at the root of what does a healthy, inclusive sexuality and sexual ethic look like, you know, whether that's for our community or for an individual. Um, We recognize that There have been a variety of backgrounds when it comes to a conversation around sex and sexuality. And there's also a lot of opinions, right? A lot of different cultural elements for folks. And so we want to find a way to make um, this door as wide as possible that anyone at any point can participate in this conversation and have something um, to add and also a space to listen. Um, so there's not going to really be anything within this podcast that says this is the only way that you can think about sex, but there will be just some general guidelines that I hope we as a whole can agree on, uh, that regardless of what kind of relationship structure you're in um, or what kind of sexual ethic you personally might hold, um, that we can say, hey, like this would be the best possible foundation um, that we could have and share together. So with that, I want to share uh, two more of Matthew Fox's Articles of Faith. Um, Matthew Fox uh, was a priest who, similar to Luther, uh, posted a new 95 theses. Um, He had kind of expressed, you know, even in our modern church, there is so much um, that he saw that needed to change in terms of language and how we talk about some of these things. And two that he included uh, refer to sexuality in this way. That uh, 23 says, sexuality is a sacred act and a spiritual experience, a theophany, a revelation of the divine, a mystical one. It is holy and deserves to be honored as such. And 71, a church that is more preoccupied with sexual wrongs than with the wrongs of injustice is itself sick. So with that, um, human sexuality is both simple, profound, mysterious, and part of the fabric of who we all are. It is not just as you know, Christian tradition has often been tempted to regard it, some alien and untrustworthy force ever tempting us. Um, And it is more than just a psychobiological means of reproduction. 
And so Nadia Bowles-Weber really wanted to have a conversation, not just with her own congregation, uh, but I think with Christianity as a whole, around where the church's teachings on sex has excluded so many people and forced them to deny integral parts of themselves. Um, She sees sexuality as a gift from God and names that suppressing it has truly shown uh, terrible consequences. And uh, abstinence-only teaching has caused way more harm uh, than good. She also says that being pure doesn't make people holy. It only separates them from each other. Because holiness is about union with, and purity is about separation from. She goes on to say that the church has wrongfully justified the idea of male dominance, and this plays a role in the sexual harassment of women. And a new Christian sexual ethic should be based on consent, mutuality, and a concern for everyone's sexual well-being. And in order to move forward, people need to openly acknowledge how the church's teachings about sexuality have harmed them. So with all of that, and also recognizing that our particular congregation, we have folks who didn't grow up in the church and didn't get inundated with purity culture teaching, but then we also have folks who did. We want to take um, kind of this last idea, this in order to move forward, Um, And really start here. Start with acknowledging, just in general, how the church's teachings about sexuality has harmed society, um, the way that it has used um, sex and sexuality to control people, um, to harm their views about themselves, about their bodies, and hopefully begin a new chapter. And if this is your first time really having an open conversation about sex in an affirming church, um, I invite you to know um, that this is going to be handled with care and that we want to make sure that regardless of what opinions might come up, this is going to be a safe and respectful conversation. And even as um, triggers or cues might come up for you throughout the conversation, Ryan, myself, um, and a couple other people will be available. You know, if you just need someone to talk one-on-one or if you need to step outside, all of that is welcome here. Um, We know that this can be strange. Sex and money are often taboo uh, topics within the church. And what is, in my understanding, uh, the most queer, as in, Uh, the most opening up of, the most turning on its head uh, possibility as just having a conversation, Um, using our collective wisdom to say, hey, we have something more to add to the conversation and we can look through the harms that have been done. That aside, (laughs) Nadia uh, shares the World Health Organization's definition of sexual health and it says, a state of physical, emotional, mental, and social well-being in relation to sexuality, not merely the absence of disease, dysfunction, or infirmity. Sexual health requires a positive and respectful approach to sexuality and sexual relationships, as well as the possibility of having pleasurable and safe sexual experiences 
free of coercion, discrimination, and violence. For sexual health to be attained and maintained, the sexual rights of all persons must be respected, protected, and fulfilled. So how different does that already sound from what I call like the classic church's teaching? Now, I will say society doesn't get it right either. Um, and this definition calls out seemingly pretty much all the issues in a couple of sentences. None of us are free from the impact of church or society. These systems run deep. They're entrenched in our educational system, social teaching, social media, standard of beauty. We see right now in Florida, um, among other states, that children will not have access to education that teaches them about themselves or their bodies. Nadia is one of few in the conversation around sexuality that also names and creates space for folks who are asexual. And this is just as valid and loving of a place to be as someone who is uh, sexually driven. The time when anyone's sexuality, I believe, can become harmful is when they're discriminated against, feel guilted into doing something or not doing something, um, the vice versa of both of these, and ultimately are just not allowed to be themselves. I think unhealthy sexuality is what is ex um, exploiting another person, demeaning, um, concerned with like a selfish gratification at another's expense. It is something that can become destructive of people, of relationships, and it really has nothing to do uh, with the status of being married, um, of living together, because it can happen in any relationship structure. But is everything uh, to do with the nature of how these things are handled? For some people, uh, sex is a sacred, creative, unitive uh, experience. For others, it doesn't have to be mystical at all. It is just human and satisfying and a connection point. And for other people, it has a quality of pleasure that's not tethered to any sort of specific relationship structure. All of these uh, definitions or all of these examples can be healthy, um, but they could also be unhealthy. So it comes back to the intention and the impact. Uh, Josh Lee is involved with Q Christian Fellowship. He is also um, an ordained minister um, and is currently serving at a church in New York. And he has these four C's, right? Very evangelical. Four C's of a healthy and inclusive sexual ethic. The first and foremost is consent, right? This is such an important conversation. And I think uh, the church can learn a lot from um, even not just the queer community, um, but other forms of conversations around sex. That consent goes far beyond sex. It is should be present in every single level of our lives. But consent means that like yes is yes, no is no. And anything that's in between either needs to be resolved to one of those two or needs to be automatically assumed to be a no. And uh, consent has to be respected, right? A second is care. Um, again, sex has the ability to harm, 
or bring together, right? Um, And he says, what makes good sex is when all people come into the experience, not just thinking about what they can get out of it, but also what they can give to it. And covenant is an agreement. You can have a covenant with yourself, also with other people and really it's it's lining lining up what are you comfortable with and not comfortable with doing with your own body and how do you then communicate that to the other person and these are reminders that i think the best way to put it um everything is fluid right just because you say yes to one thing in a moment doesn't mean that that is going to be a yes forever This is where the idea of justice and um, looking out for one another in these conversations and then these experiences is so important Um, because we are allowed to change. We are allowed to change our answers. We are allowed to change what matters to us, um, what we enjoy, but all of that has to be communicated and all of it has to be respected. And the way that justice plays into this is that it suggests healthy whole sex is not exploitative exploitative of power differences, whether based in money, age, race, gender, or social role. It involves mutuality, a genuine care for the other's joy, comfort, and pleasure. It invites trust in moments of deep vulnerability. And part of the power of sexual intimacy is its capacity, its alchemy, whereby vulnerability becomes transcendence. Now, all of that can be wonderful, but that's not always where we're at. Um, We have to be patient with ourselves and with others that this is an unfolding process, um, that there are folks who've waited their whole lives, have done everything quote-unquote right, lived by the church's, you know, uh, no sex before marriage, and then find themselves in a place, in a relationship that doesn't value them or their own sexual power at all. As as queer Christians, um, there's a line of thinking among some who still hold tightly to a traditional sexual ethic that They're like, well, we fought hard enough to um, get people to accept, you know, that we are a same-sex love, so we're going to do everything we can to uphold and maintain the other pillars of a conservative sexual ethic to prove that accepting LGBTQ people isn't a slippery slope. So then there's this distance from the broader queer community, um, their sexual quote-unquote promiscuity, Um, and try to live into that more conservative sexual paradigm. What I myself have experienced is that there are levels to this, um, and that takes time, that takes internal work, that takes being in a community that is safe enough to have these conversations. Um, Because you can't go from zero to 100. (laughs) Whatever whatever, um, others might tell you, You can't go from zero to 100 and it be safe for you. Um, Again, this is something layer by layer that we have to undo and rebuild uh, together. And something that we've talked about before, um, whether it be with grief or 
uh, with different life experiences or with sexuality. When reality and your theology clash, it's your theology that needs to change. Theology is a human attempt to comprehend the work of God in the world. And we often fall short (laughs) of figuring out where God might be. And I think often we as society, we as capital C Church, have seen God outside of sex and sexuality. But what would it be to consider where the divine might be within these things? And that, again, is for the entire spectrum of sexuality, whether you find yourself um, experiencing yourself as asexual or someone who wants to be free of any sort of tether, um, regardless of where you might find yourself, I invite you to say, hey, we're going to look back at this. We're going to talk with one another, again, of what works, what we hope for, um, what doesn't work, etc. And I like that um, Josh Lee includes this word alchemy, um, maybe because we just read The Alchemist. But really, spiritual alchemy is concerned with freeing yourself, um, which can be trapped within you by the unrefined parts of yourself, whether that's your fear, your personal belief, self-loathing, the ways in which you've been programmed and conditioned. The more that we allow um, these parts of ourselves to be explored and to be in conversation with the rest of our parts, I think the the faster we might find a sense of wholeness. And again, we might have this conversation and nothing in your sexual ethic might change. And that's great. That means that you have already been having these conversations with yourself or your partner. Um, But again, this is something that we invite each other into um, because all of our experiences are different. All of our experiences have taught us something different about the value of sex and sexuality, what should quote unquote be required. Um, So as we turn towards our conversation for Sunday, um, these are some of the questions that will come up. And so if that's helpful for you to kind of prepare your thoughts on, um, I want to talk about, you know, growing up, what messages did you receive about sex in the body? That can be from the church, that can be from your family, that can be from school. But how did these messages affect you? And then how have you navigated your life as an adult based on some of these messages? And then what language do you wish the church had for sex and sexuality? What emotions come up within you when these topics come up? How might we hold that experience? but then also find a way to connect back to our bodies in a positive way. Together, we are going to take on the task of writing, you know, a more inclusive statement. What that might include. Um, Nadia gives an example of how she does this with her own congregation in the book. And we'll see where, where it leads us. You know, again, there's no... Um, There's no end point that we have to achieve, but it purely is just another foundation for our conversation together. Um, And there will be resources on the blog, on the podcast, um, because we we don't want this to be 
a one and done conversation. So with all of that, um, I hope you can join us. I hope even if you are uh, purely an online listener, um, that you would add your thoughts, um, that you would be part of the conversation in some way as we figure out uh, a way to talk about sex and sexuality that's fully inclusive of our LGBTQIA community, that is fully aware of the harm, uh, the history that the church has done, um, especially when it comes to sex and sexuality. We recognize um, that there are survivors in our community. Uh, We recognize that there are people who this is still a really hard conversation um, to participate in. Wherever you might find yourself, um, I hope you know that you are loved, that you're valued, um, and whatever your relationship to it, it doesn't change your worth as a human being. So with that, As we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Amen. You know what I'm talking about.